1: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated.
0: Tech Guide episode 470. Hello and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Apple to fight the EU plan, to standardise all mobile devices with USB-C. Australians are sitting on $6.4 billion worth of second-hand smartphones, and Samsung has deployed 51,000 air purifiers so students can make a safe return to the classroom post-COVID. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the iPhone 13, And the iPhone 13 Pro, we have given them a road test. Microsoft has released its new range of Surface products ahead of the Windows 11 launch. And TCL has released Australia's cheapest 5G smartphone, the 20R 5G. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected. And Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Apple uh, are going to have a showdown with the European Commission. They recently announced a proposal for all smartphones, tablets, and headphones to have a common USB-C charger. Now, this would mean, of course, Apple with their iPhone, they have their lightning port and uh, that's their proprietary technology there. So the ruling if this actually goes is is confirmed within the next couple of years it means that every iPhone that's made for the European market would have to have a USB-C port instead of the traditional lightning port. Now the European Commission is a, an arm of the European Union and the their ruling they said that it, it would be a requirement by the manufacturers to have the common USB-C port. The reason behind this, you're probably wondering why the hell do this. Well, the reason is they want to reduce the amount of electronic waste. So uh, this they're saying it could save like hundreds of millions of euro uh, in, in wastage, electronic waste, and trying to reduce the number of uh, that, that sort of stuff going into landfill. But when you take a long, hard look at this, and it would mean, uh, I, I think, forcing Apple, like one company to change their charging, their charges, would, would I think, create more waste because there, are, there's a huge market of, of Apple iPhone users in Europe who would just stick to Lightning. If they had to, if they change, let, let's say, for argument's sake, Apple has a 40% share in in Europe, probably higher than that. So if this ruling goes through, that means 40% of customers would have to throw out their lightning cable and buy a USB-C cable. So wouldn't that create more waste? If, if they were left alone, they would not have to throw those cables out. Now, Apple naturally is, is against this. And it released a statement where it said, we remain concerned that strict regulation mandating just one type of connector stifles innovation rather than encouraging it, which in turn will harm consumers in Europe and around the world. So think of it from Apple's perspective now, and they're very protective of their technology naturally. And US, uh, Lightning, by the way, has been around since 2012 with the introduction of the iPhone 5. That's when Lightning made its first appearance. And it was then, of course, adopted for the iPad. Although some iPads now have USB-C charging ports. So a lot of you are probably wondering, well, they've got it for the iPad. What What's the problem making it for the iPhone as well? Well, they have them for most iPads. The iPad, the entry-level iPad, they're up to the ninth generation now. That still has Lightning. The iPad Mini, which was just announced, uh, released last week, that now has USB-C. The iPad Pro lineup also USB-C. The thinking behind that is because they wanted to make the iPad a more, a w- more work-friendly, laptop replacement type product that would be a little bit more versatile if you could connect things like cameras and external hard drives and, and other things like that. That's the reasoning behind that. And the reason I think why Apple have stuck with Lightning for iPhone is also for convenience. It's their own technology. But also too, you got to remember, Apple is the only company that has Lightning, which means that they earn money from every single lightning cable that's sold. So if if a company, a third party manufacturer wanted to sell lightning cables, a cut of that would go to Apple. They have to get it approved by Apple. So that's another revenue that's that's another revenue stream for them. Even other products that utilize the Lightning port, they also have to be go through Apple and Apple also takes they clip the ticket there as well. So I think Apple's thinking more the money we're gonna lose. If we lose lightning on the iPhone then there's no reason to buy a lightning cable, which they control and earn money from. No reason for to there for them to earn the extra extra revenue from companies making lightning compatible products that, that so the iPhone can plug into it, like a a gaming controller or something that can plug into the iPad into the iPhone, I should say. So that's that's another that that's the other thing there. I think that they referred to it. They said that the, the having one connector stifles innovation, but it also will stifle their bottom line because they're going to lose money because you can buy USB-C is not controlled by Apple. That's everyone has USB-C. And it's it's no skin off Samsung's nose or any of the other manufacturers because they've already got USB-C. So it's business as usual for those companies. So it's Apple that's really under the blowtorch here with, with this decision. Now all the com- the countries in the European Union have to agree to this. This isn't just a lay down vizier already. This has to go through the whole process and the, the the once they agree, once the proposals ratified by EU countries and par- EU parliamentarians then the companies will have two years to comply. Companies being Apple, there's no other company really that needs to change much. Uh, so that, that that's, what, that's the situation that Apple's facing. Uh, as I mentioned, Lightning Port's been around for nearly 10 years. The iPhone 5, which was released in September 2012, was the first to have Lightning and to this day remains on the iPhone 13s, which we're going to talk about in the reviews. Uh, but today's iPhones also feature MagSafe and wireless charging capabilities, so there is that option. If you don't want to charge through a cable, you can still charge the device wirelessly. There there has been talk, and I don't know I don't know whether this is would would actually ever happen, but there have been rumors for quite a long time that Apple was even considering not having a charging port at all. That the only way you could charge it was MagSafe or wirelessly. I don't know how practical that would be. Uh, the the fact that uh, Apple has really opposed this decision would probably, to my to my thinking, would mean that they would have planned to have Lightning hang around for a little bit longer. I'm not sure whether the EU, if apples if apples reply to that, would be okay. Well, we're not going to have USB C. We can just have nothing. I wonder if the EU would allow that. I suppose that would, that would reduce. Would that reduce waste as well? Or it would force customers to buy yet another form of charging, wireless charging. So if you're an iPhone customer and you think, well, stuff that, I'm not going to buy USB-C or, hang on, my phone, my iPhone 15 doesn't have a, char- a lightning port, I need to buy a wireless charger. So that's, that's creating even more product that people have to buy, thereby creating waste and all the lightning cables will be tossed in the bin. So look, I don't know. I don't know how much of a how successful this is going to be in reducing electronic waste. It uh, it sounds like a, a little bit of tr- a bit too much trouble for such a small change, but who knows uh, whether Apple comply or not? Uh, I doubt it very much that they will. I'd say they'll be lobbying pretty hard to keep Lightning, but they're the reasons uh, they do make money from it, and it is their own technology, which naturally they don't want to lose you want to read more about the Apple fight uh, against the EU, you can check that out at techguide.com.au.
1: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
0: Now, the iPhone 13 has just been released, as has the Samsung Galaxy Fold 3, the Galaxy Flip 3, a lot of new phones on the market. But what do you do with your existing smartphone? I think there's savvy people what they normally do they keep their current phone in in good in good Nick and then sell it to pay for the next model that, that's what I what I tell whenever my kids buy a new phone and I say look put a case on it get a screen protector that's an investment so in a couple of years that's still going to be worth some money you can pay for half of the next one they they listen most of the time. Uh, I, ho- I hope you guys do that because uh, eBay has come up with some really some startling information here. Some stats showing that uh, Australians are sitting on more than six point four billion—that's billion with a B—billion dollars worth of unused mobile phones. Now eBay say that Australians are holding on to the devices instead of. each phone is worth hundreds if not thousands of dollars depending on the phone if you were to sell an iphone 12 for example you get over a thousand bucks even more and ebay says a mobile phone is sold on ebay every two minutes making it the most popular tech items one of the most popular tech items sold on the platform and one of the fastest selling categories for pre-loved items now You're probably thinking, how the hell do they work out $6.4 billion? Well, that's calculated using the average second-hand mobile phone price of the top 11 brands, along with mobile muster data that shows that there are 24.5 million unused phones in Australia last year. So these are just rattling around in people's drawers, these older phones. It could very well be sold so they they took the average second hand price of the top 11 brands calculated that there are 24.5 million unused and unsold phones in Australia and came up with that 6.4 billion dollar figure now second hand phones account for almost a third of all mobile phone mobile phone sales on eBay and the brands that uh, that find the best prices are Apple Samsung and Google, Google Pixel phones are very, very popular. But now if you go on eBay, there is an online tool so shoppers can see how much their their device is worth. And you think about it now, anyone who's got a secondhand smartphone, they can sell it, they can trade it in for a new device. So if you were to say you want to go in the Apple store, trade in your current iPhone for the new iPhone 13, say you've got an iPhone 11, and you, would, you could probably get for an iPhone 11. According to eBay, for an iPhone 11, so 128 gig used in good condition, you can still get up to nearly 650 bucks for that phone. That's a two-year-old phone. But if you were to go to Apple to trade it in or Vodafone or Optus... You would the most you would get, which is probably about 500 bucks, so you'd probably be missing out on 150 dollars that, that figure's from Apple. You go to Optus, they're saying you'd, you'd only get up to 400 bucks. So it's it is similar to trading in a car, it is better if you pr- sell it privately rather than trading it in. The trade in they're going to lowball you, they're going to give you a low price so they can put their margin and sell it at a profit. So, uh that's the same situation. In fact, there is a list, and I've, I've got them on Tech Guide, the lists of the, the phones and what they're worth on eBay on average and what Optus and Vodafone and Apple would, would give you. Apple would only give you money for an iPhone. But uh, there are others there. like The Galaxy Note 20, for example, if that was the 256 gig model in, in good condition, that's $854 on average you get on eBay. But at Vodafone, that only give you three hundred and thirty dollars. That's that's nearly five hundred dollars difference. So that's why it's important keep your phone in good condition, sell it on eBay, and then use that money to pay for the next phone. Whether it's an iPhone 13, a Galaxy Z Fold, a Galaxy Z Flip, any other new device, or the upcoming Google Pixel 6, we're going to see that in about two to three weeks. The new Pixel 6 and and 6 Plus. So uh, it is interesting, the worth checking out because this could very well your existing old phones, or well, the phone you're using right now, could fund the next one. Now there are some tips and tricks on how to get top dollar for your phone on eBay. There are some great tips there. Preparation, they're saying, make sure your phone's backed up, don't so you don't lose any data. Make sure it's wiped, uh, and there are. It's really easy to, to to log out of your phone, but and also wipe it. Uh, one, the, the there is there are templates for each phone you're trying to sell, so that it, it it automatically fills in the information. Uh, you got to take good photos. I think photos really sell stuff on eBay. You got to have uh, good natural lighting, solid white, plain background. Uh, and also too, of course, contactless selling. So you can, if you are selling through eBay, you, there there is uh, shipping options, and uh, you you can you can have a full contactless selling experience on eBay. But uh, you know, you might be after the new iPhone 13, which we are going to talk about shortly, or a flip phone or whatever you're after. Your current phone could potentially pay for half of it if, if you've kept it, kept it in good condition. If you want to find out more and see what your phone's worth, you could do that at techguide.com.au. Well, Samsung has done a deal with the Department of Education and Training in Victoria and announced they're going to be installing 51,000 air purifiers in public classrooms to allow students to safely return to the classroom. Now, the air purifiers, which are meant to obviously filter the air, but they're also really good for removing airborne contaminants. So if, there, if if there is anything airborne, the air purifiers can get rid of it. Like they, ninety nine point nine percent of contaminants in the air are normally, uh, normally scooped up by the air purifier. So the the, the Department of Education and Training in Victoria has seen this as a, as the way back, a path back for students. Now for Samsung, it's a bonanza because they've just ordered fifty one thousand Samsung. AX90T air purifiers. Now, each one of those air purifiers is $999. So if you do the math, I've got my calculator out, 51,000 times 999, and you're looking at $50,949,000. Now, granted, I don't think if you have such a bulk order that you're going to pay full price, which is 999. But even so, even if you pay half price, it's still you're still looking at nearly $26 million there. That's a pretty good deal for Samsung. Uh, so they're rushing them in the countries. They're going to be deployed over the next four months. Samsung have even gone to the length of chartering flights from its manufacturing hub in Korea so that the units are here as quickly as possible. There is There is the demand there. So, uh, they are hopping to it to make sure that these are here on time, as you would, of course. So, uh, that's really interesting, the uh, air purifier. And, you know, research has found that portable air cleaning devices like this have the HEPA filtration can help increase the clearance of aerosols and airborne contaminants. So, if you think about it, say you've got COVID and you sneezed or something, or, you know, you, 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 I don't know, you, you were talking loud or singing or whatever, those particles will go in the air and the air purifier would scoop them all up, hopefully before it gets near anyone else. But that that's the whole idea of air filtration. If you if you're keeping the air purified, there's less chance of those contaminants affecting other people. And and you see this; these are very popular in homes already, especially for people who have got allergies and sensitivities. Because you'll be surprised the amount of of contaminants in your home. People people are under the wrong impression that indoors is is clean. It's actually not. There's a lot of dust. There's a lot of uh, like formaldehyde from from f- uh, furniture and varnish and cleaning products and cooking smells and stuff like that. The indoors. Is actually, it, it's got nowhere to go. If you're outdoors, of course, it's outdoors. It, it can it can go everywhere and go anywhere. It's not it's not blocked locked in. So uh, having the the whole the, the air purifiers, I think, is a smart move. They're already in use, by the way, in ho- in quarantine hotels uh, and also in some hospitals. Uh, they've got these deployed. Also, the other advantage too is that they can all be controlled remotely they are smart products so they can be deployed and controlled as a fleet. so there's no need for one you pressing the button on everyone separately. they can all be purif- they can all be turned on and controlled at the same time. So say for example a school has one in every classroom they can be turned on at the same time turned off at the same time and controlled uh, uh, like that as well just remotely with a, through, through their smart things set up their internet of things set up there. So that's really interesting, the air purifiers. Is that the path back for, for the corporate world? Is your business, is your company going to bring people back into the office and have these air purifiers in every corner of the room to make it keep it safer will give, give you some peace of mind that there is the, the, the air in your office is being purified constantly? That would make me feel, feel a bit better if you are going to come back to an office maybe something you can suggest to your boss if you if you actually do want to come back to the office i know there's a lot of people who've just grown, grown, grown used to working from home and enjoy the the convenience of not having to commute not having to to buy lunch, expensive lunches in the city and things like that. So uh, it's a lot of time and money that people are saving. There will be a few people reluctant to return to the office anyway. But, you know, if you are going back to the office, here's an option to help keep you safe. If you want to read more about this Samsung Air Purifiers, you can check it out at techguide.com.au.
1: Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick.
0: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, if you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer's security. And that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented game optimizer technology can help maximize gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system's resources, helping you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts, and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats, including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance, while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide.
1: And now a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec.
0: Kicking off the reviews this week, we are talking about the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 Pro. They are on sale. They went on sale last Friday. We've had them. I've had them for about a week and i've just posted my review on tech guide as well as the video check out the video that uh, gives you a good look at some of the new features including cinematic mode photographic styles and just a good look at the devices themselves so yeah support my youtube channel please there is uh, it is embedded on this story on tech guide as well the iphone 13 and 13 pro now outwardly look pretty similar to last year's model the only physical difference that you'll notice is the slightly smaller notch? So the area in the top of the screen there, where the face the uh, Face ID camera is located, that is twenty percent smaller. I have there is a picture of the thirteen next to the twelve. You can see the difference there. Uh, but outwardly, no other changes. Design designs are, are mainly remain unchanged. Uh, there is a slight difference in the dimensions. I think it is 0.3 of a millimeter thicker. So that is to accommodate, we believe, a slightly larger battery. The camera bumps are also slightly different. So the camera bump on the, on the 13, the lenses are arranged diagonally rather than one on top of the, of the other for the iPhone, as they were on the iPhone 12. The bump itself is slightly larger also. Same for the 13, smaller notch, same design, slightly thicker, slightly bigger Camera bump, and that's got the triple camera system that are still arranged in the same way as they were with the iPhone 12. So design-wise, pretty much unchanged. But the cases are different. So if you've got an iPhone 12 and you upgrade to the 13, which I which I don't recommend, I don't think. If you're an iPhone 12 user, I'd I'd sit on the 12. I don't think this is a big enough upgrade for you to change. But uh, if you did, the 12 case and 12 Pro case will not fit the 13 because of that slight increase in the camera bump and the slight um, change in thickness as well. So that's that's how precise they are, these designs. So uh, outwardly look pretty much the same, but most of the changes, though, are all under the hood. And there's some significant ones as well. Now, the 13 and 13 Pro still include the ceramic shield that make the front display tougher. Uh, Apple. Uh, I can't believe how they're promoting ceramic shield. There's there's images of people dropping their phones and scraping them along the ground, and people dropping water and drinks on them, and like it's nothing. Um, so I don't know whether that's tempting fate or what. I, I don't think anyone purposely tries to do that, but I, I think it may be just trying to convince people that if you do happen to be a, a bit of have a bit of dropsy with your phone, that it's it's not likely to be smashed. Although. I've seen plenty of cases of the 12 smashing despite the ceramic shield. But anyway, put a case on it. Be careful if you're going to buy the 13. So uh, in terms of the processor, that's been upgraded across all 13 models, 13 and 13 Pro. They've got the new A15 Bionic. And that really, that is the secret sauce here. That does the heavy lifting in terms of performance. Uh, It enables a lot of the new features. It also creates this incredible power efficiency. So the, the, the new displays have a slightly uh, better uh, power-efficient OLED panel in them. That blended with the hardware, talking to the software and the processor, really does add up to improve battery life, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, the display on the Pro models has a new feature called ProMotion. Anyone who's got an iPad Pro 12.9-inch would know this feature. This is an adaptive refresh rate. So other phones have had 120 hertz for like two years. This is Apple's first dip into the pool for the iPhone, but it is an adaptive refresh rate. So for example, if you're watching a video or playing a game, the phone will detect that and bump you up to 120 hertz to give it a smoother, cleaner, clearer look. Uh, so that that, that that helps there. But if you're just looking at like an image or a website, that doesn't need a high refresh rate, then it'll it'll drop it down to as low as 10 hertz. And that then saves your battery life. Operating at 120 hertz, that burns the battery a touch. But that's why it's adaptive. So it can control, it can rein it in when it needs to and thereby saving you the battery power as well. You'll also see it if you're scrolling in apps and websites. If you know what to look for, you can tell. So for example, if you're scrolling up a list of say words, say a long list of notes, if you're scrolling up in promotion, as you're scrolling up the screen, you can probably still read the note as it's moving up the screen, read the words. But if without the promotion, it's a little bit difficult to read the word clearly because it it doesn't refresh fast enough for the the pixels to stay uh, to stay clearer as they move up the screen. And this works for games, graph, uh, movies, high fast movement, anything that's moving fast you can tell with Pro Motion that it does smooth it out of touch. Now, the biggest improvement I reckon is in the camera department and there's a lot of the improvements that are across all iPhones, 13 and 13 Pro systems. The cameras on every iPhone, new iPhone, now includes OIS sensor shift. So it's optical image stabilization with sensor shift. Uh, that feature was only found in the iPhone 12 Pro Max last year, but this year all of them have got it. And what that is, it... Rather than shifting the lens to still to to keep your take the shakes out of your videos and stuff, it actually shifts the sensor where the light's hitting. So that's a lighter a lighter object to shift rather than shifting a heavier object like a lens. Uh, it does it does work really well. That's now standard across the entire range. The 13 has the dual camera system. Lens, as I said, arranged diagonally instead of on top of each other. The 13s dual lenses are wide and ultra wide, can gather up to 40 percent, 47 percent more light. That's pretty good. Uh, the 13 has a triple lens system, so it's ultra wide, wide, and telephoto. Uh, there's there's also a new autofocus sensor, and for, and better low light performance as well. All all told, it's a much improved camera system, just in just in pure quality of video and photos better across the board, or all iPhones. For the first time, though, there's a new feature called photographic styles. Now, these aren't filters, despite them being called filters on other phones. These are called styles, and it means you can move between having just your standard shot, or having a shot that's got better contrast, uh, you want, might want a photo that's a little on the warmer side, a little on the cooler side, and there are adjustments within those photographic styles as well. First time Apple's done this, so you you can you can put your own spin on your photo. You you know, like like a lot of things, photography is very subjective. So what you think is good to your eye might not be the same for others. So it, it does give you a chance to adjust to suit your style hence the reason why they're called photographic styles but at whatever change you make say for example you like the rich contrast style if you leave it there every time you open the camera that's going to be your default style so until you change it again that's what's going to be you're going to be given so if you like rich contrast for all your photos it's going to stay there till you change it just keep that in mind if you're wondering why that's different now, one of my favourite new features is on the video side, and it's called a Cinematic Mode. Now, this is a truly remarkable feature that's kind of like portrait mode for video. And by that, I mean, if you're the only person in a video, you you can sort of add a little bit of depth of field to the video, so the background's blurred, your subject is sort of in focus in the foreground. It does add a bit of a bit more of a dramatic look to your videos. Uh, if you are, if there are two people in your scene, then you can actually switch focus between them in the frame. in In mo- the movie world, in Hollywood, this is called rack focus, and that means that you switch between. There's a there's a, a focus puller who, with their proper cameras, would have to say the the scene. There's someone in the foreground that focused on their face then there's someone in the background that starts talking you got to switch quickly switch focus to that person that's called rack focus now that takes a lot of skill to do that so you got to know the exact focus to pull to get that other person in, in frame and, and sharp and then come back to the other person. well now with the iPhone you can actually it just does that uh, if someone turns their face away to look at that other person then the other person's face goes into focus or you can manually switch between them now check out my video. You might laugh. I've got a couple. I got I got a Kylo Ren twelve inch figure and Darth Vader figure, and they were my actors in my scene, so you could see the focus moving from Kylo Ren to Darth Vader and back again. And of course, my dogs Ziggy and Logan, now Dalmatians, also have a starring role in the video. So please check it out. It is uh, it is a good video. Uh, so yeah, that's cin- cinematic mode, which is truly remarkable. Uh, if you uh, the uh, and by the way, all the iPhones do that, not just the Pro models has cinematic mode and also photographic styles. 13 Pro, though, can also shoot ProRes video. Now, that's a a format widely used by video editors and and film professionals in their end-to-end workflow. So they can... They might be able to view content in ProRes or even shoot content. That's probably the better application of shooting in ProRes. They can they can slip that into their workflow and keep the quality. Uh, macro mode is also a 13 Pro feature, so get you right up close and personal to your subject. And what th- there is there's no mode that you need to choose either. It just actually as you're zoom going closer to your subject, it switches to the ultra wide camera, and you can get really tight on your subject. Have a look at the photo I took of the. The camera icon of the iPhone. And normally that there's all lines and it's all blurring, but this got a real. I got up so close to it that I reckon you can see the individual pixels. Is how how closely I did it. Have, take a look at that on Tech Guide. Um, so that that's a cool new feature as well. Uh, battery life I mentioned earlier, way better than before. Apple actually made a point of talking about this at the launch. Something they haven't done for a long time, and I think that's due to in part to a 15 Bionic processor. Remember I told you that that the power efficiency. That it's got, combine that with the increased capacity of the battery. So, more efficiency, more battery capacity, the result is more power and up to two and a half hours power uh, extra runtime on the iPhone 13 Pro Max. And the, uh, the 13 Mini, all the way through to the 13 Pro, also have decent improvement. We took, used all four of the phones as our daily drivers, uh, and they, were, they did not let us down once easily through the day and into the next. So uh, remarkable that they've improved by so much. Now, a lot of people have asked me too, which iPhone is the best one to get? Well... I think you need to ask yourself a few questions about that. I reckon the 13 is more than enough phone for for the average user. So the 13, which is the cheaper of the two, of course, two lenses, still very, very capable device. Got a great display, great camera, great battery life. Also really nice design. But if you are more into your photography, you want that third lens, you want the three lens system. If you want more options... More, uh, you want a more premium look, uh, premium design, or you want a bigger display? The only the largest display is the Pro Max. Then, if any of those factors are something you're interested in, then the Pro is probably the best option for you. Uh, pricing is listed at Tech Guide. The Mini starts at a thousand and nineteen dollars. The Thirteen starts at one thousand three hundred forty nine. The Thirteen Pro starts at one thousand six hundred ninety nine. The Thirteen Pro Max starts at $1,849, all lowest memory is 128 gig now, the 13 and the 13 mini go up to 512 gig, 13 pro and 13 pro max now offer a one terabyte variant and you've got to check out the price for yourself because it's not cheap to get the one terabyte. So there you have it, the iPhone 13, An iPhone 13 Pro, we've road tested them. Check out our video. You'll watch the video. You'll uh, you'll learn a lot. You'll be able to see those features in action. I urge you to take a look at it. It's embedded in our story at techguide.com.au. Well, Microsoft have been very busy. They've released a powerful new range of Surface devices on the eve of the release of Windows 11. Windows 11's out next week, October 5, if you're counting down. The new products include the Surface Pro 8, the Surface Duo 2, Surface Go 3, and the Surface Laptop Studio all designed by Microsoft. And I think they're doing a bit of an Apple here because lately Microsoft have enjoyed a lot of success with their Surface range. And it's, it's what Apple does. Apple makes the hardware to go with their software. So in this instance... Microsoft's making the hardware to go with their own Windows software, so they are, they are kind of pulling off an Apple, they're ripping off an Apple there with the, that whole hardware and software integration, that, that blend uh, is, normally works out where you get better, better efficiency, better productivity, and the product just works better because they're built for each other. So uh, this is the largest update to the Surface portfolio, by the way. A lot of new devices to take Windows to uh, another level. Surface Pro 8, that's a uh, 13-inch display. Still has the ultra-portable form factor, though. So uh, it does feature the 11th-gen Intel Core processor. And uh, that it's got two Thunderbolt ports, along with new, uh, new cameras and speakers. Also has the new type cover. So uh, it does work very well with the with the, the Surface Slim Pen as well. That's another new accessory that's going to be available from November fourth, starting from one thousand six hundred and forty nine dollars. Uh, next up, and this is I reckon this is the most interesting product, the one I'm really keen to get my hands on, is the Surface Duo Two. Now this this is a a it's got a there's a large eight point three inch pixel sense fusion displays. Not one display, two displays. So it, it it's not a foldable phone, it's two screens connected with a hinge. So you can obviously it's running Android, so you can the dual screen productivity entertainment options on the go as well. And it, it is a really cool look of product, I've got to say. And the hinge itself has a little tiny display on it. So you can see your notifications, how many messages you've got, emails waiting, phones, calls missed. So uh, it is really interesting. Check that out on TechGuy. There's some interesting photos there. So that's not going to be out though until late October. So we've got to wait another month there. Surface Go 3, uh, $629 from 629. Surface Go, the most portable Surface touchscreen, two-in-one device. It now has a 10.5-inch display. And uh, has been optimized for digital pen also. Surface Go 3, 60% faster than the Intel Core i3 processor, and does also have optional LTE, 4G LTE connectivity as well. Now, here's one of the more interesting ones as well the Surface Laptop Studio. Now, this is a laptop slash desktop slash studio. Now, this is basically a laptop, but the screen can hinge and move so that it can be positioned, say, for example, uh, 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 across the whole keyboard. So you're not seeing a keyboard, you just see screen. Or it can be used like a normal laptop. It can be hinged at an angle that will allow you to draw and, and paint and create so it does, It is really versatile. It does have a, a woven hint, dynamic woven hinge, so easily transition from one mode to the other. Uh, it has a fourteen point four inch pixel sense touchscreen display, and uh, really, it, it, I, I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out as well. It looks really premium, and for that for that person who wants the versatility and and the ability to switch from one mode to the other so you might want to use this as a laptop you might want to kick back and watch a movie you might want to sit down and draw something design something uh, it is there at your disposal so the new that that isn't out until next year so that, that won't be out till 2022 unfortunately so uh, we're not going to see that this year but i'm sure it's going to be a very highly anticipated device the surface range from microsoft there's a few there Uh, If you want to take a closer look, see those images, take a look at the uh, the new Surface products, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. TCL has just released a new 5G device, the cheapest in Australia, the 20. are 5G now a couple of segments ago? We talked about the iPhone, and the cheapest iPhone is 1200 bucks. Uh, that's for the mini, it is for the, they're all 5G by the way. The, all the iPhones, you knew that, but not everyone has that kind of money to throw at, at a smartphone. Uh, but the TCL, the new range of TCL phones, and this is the this is the the third 5G device that TCL has released in just four months. Uh, you can remember on earlier programs, we spoke about the TCL 20 5G, which was $499. Their flagship, so re- much nicer screen, much nicer design, a bit more of a premium look and feel, better camera. The 20 Pro 5G, that's $799, which even at that price is, is really a lot of bang for your buck. But now where they've released the new 20R 5G, and the price is 349 bucks. Now, for your money, you're getting a 5G device. You're also getting a 6.52-inch V-notch display with a 90% screen-to-body ratio. Now, TCL have their next vision technology. They, they do make displays. That's their bread and butter. They make televisions. A lot of the technology in their TVs is actually shrunk down into this device, even at this price. So it has a peak brightness of 500 nits, which is impressive for a phone at this price. Screen has a 90 hertz refresh rate with 180 hertz touch sampling, which means. If you're playing games, the touch sampling means it reacts to your touch a lot faster, so faster reaction times while playing your games. The 20R 5G, of course, 5G compatible. 5G coverage is growing across Australia, so that's good to know. Uh, And at that price, as I mentioned, the, the 20R 5G is one of the cheapest 5G smartphones on the market. Triple 13 megapixel camera system includes AI auto enhancement. So your images are optimized for the lighting conditions and it does it's saying, okay, you're photographing a horse. So here's what a horse should look like. So it does, it does enhance what you're shooting. Uh, two megapixel, megapixel depth lens as well, two megapixel macro lens. Security-wise, there's a fingerprint reader on the back panel as well. Uh, there's face lock, face unlock, uh, I should say, uh, on the back, uh, sorry, on the front, through the front camera. Uh, It is powered by the MediaTek Dimensity 700 chip, and that offers 28% more power efficiency than an equivalent 8 nanometer processor. Now, there's 4 gig of RAM on board and 64 gig of internal storage. There is support for a micro SD card, so you can expand that memory up to 1 terabyte. Now, I'll just tell you now the iPhone 13 Pro Max with 1 terabyte of memory is more than $2,700. But here you can have a one terabyte memory card. Now, that costs money, but it doesn't cost $2,700. In a, in a phone, that's $349. And if you're a Vodafone customer, it's even cheaper. It's $299. If you have a Vodafone plan or take out a Vodafone plan, you get the phone for under 300 bucks. So solid support from Vodafone. Under the hood, 4,500 milliamp hour battery. And that means 10 hours of video, 34 hours of talk time, 210 hours of audio playback. Now, just when you thought, wow, that's a lot of features in a $349 phone, there is more. It also has NFC, that's near field communication, which you think about the, the age we're living in contactless transactions that a lot of stores don't accept cash. So now with NFC, you can now use Google Pay on this as well. So you put your credit card in Google Pay, tap your phone to pay. That's a pretty good feature for a phone under $350. So I think TCL, uh, they've, they've proven that you don't need to spend big money to have really smart features on a, on a device. The the twenty five G is going to be available in two colors, blue and grey, three hundred and forty nine bucks from Harvey Norman, Officeworks and Mobile City. Vodafone will also be offering the device that is locked to the Vodafone Network for two nine nine with a post paid plan. Uh, We've got the phone in our hand and we will have our review up in the next week or two. But in the meantime, if you want to check out the TCL20R 5G, it is a smart looking phone, under 350, 5G, nice screen, good camera, everything you need. Uh, If you want to check that out a little more closely, feel free to go to techguide.com.au.
1: You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
0: Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi.
1: All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk.
0: The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good friends at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, they have plenty of products like batteries to charge uh, MagSafe iPhones. So if you've got an iPhone 12 or 13, they've also got a lot lot of cables, USB-C, lightning cables, even little holders for Apple AirTags. Check them out at belkin.com forward slash au. I had a really interesting uh, email from a a listener who was asking about their MacBook Pro and the fact that they're running low on memory. Uh, they said that they have their iPhone backed up to the computer. They've got their iPad, I think, backed up to the computer as well, and they want all their all their photos on the computer also. So they're saying they're running out of space. What are my options? They were suggesting, do I buy an eight terabyte MacBook or do I buy a four terabyte MacBook? Well, first thing you need to do was my advice was to check out, the MacBook has an amazing utility called Storage Management. Now, this is a little dashboard that opens up that then allows you to delete large files Mail attachments, downloaded podcasts. Did you know that when you subscribe to a podcast, they sometimes, if you've chosen to do this, they automatically download every week. So if you've subscribed to 20 podcasts, on average, a podcast is about, I don't know, 30, 40 meg maybe, maybe smaller, I don't know. But if there's a lot of them, they can they can take up room on your on your, on your laptop. So, and I've used this myself. I'm, I'm running a 512 gig MacBook Pro, a 13-inch MacBook Pro and it said oh you're close to close to um, running out of space. And the other issue too was that the they wanted to back up their iPhone 12 to the to the uh, to the MacBook and had no room there's no room left. So I look the approach I said look first step go to your management storage storage management delete a ton of stuff. Like there's all these email attachments that are just sitting in on your computer. You've probably deleted the email but the attachment's still sitting there or you or you've read the email and the attachment's still there, and you'll be surprised the size of attachments uh, on on emails. Just that alone will save you a lot of space. And there's other there's other files you you can go through your download folder. You might have downloaded something and not watched it or not uh, it, it, uh, like a, a file of pictures or something. Whatever you've downloaded, once you've seen it and you don't need it, you can delete it. There's there's also a shortcut to empty your bin. That's another issue. People put stuff in the bin but don't empty the bin. Emptying the bin gets rid of it permanently. So I think between all of those things, I've saved in the past. I'm talking like nearly a hundred gig of of save from all that stuff that I deleted. So that's that's step one. Step two, and this is this is to do with the backups of your phone and iPad. My advice with those is to set have your backup in the cloud. Because God forbid, what would happen if you lost that that laptop, or someone stole that laptop? There, there's your backups gone. If you if you lose your iPhone, then if it's in, if you got a backup in the cloud, at least the new one you can get it from the cloud. But if you were to lose the backup of your of your uh, your laptop and the backup of your phones on the laptop, then that's gone. And that, so so, not only is it more convenient and probably a better option to have it in the cloud, that backup in the cloud, that's also going to save you a bit of bit of storage space as well. So that's two steps to reducing potentially half of your memory on your on your computer on your MacBook. So then your next option, the, this issue started because they couldn't they couldn't back up their new phone. So we'll put the new phone in the cloud as well do it set it up so that it backs up overnight while your phone's charging make sure it's connected to wi-fi it's going to back up overnight so done deal that again saves your space photos should be saved up in the cloud so they can be accessed from anywhere but also backed up there they're not taking up room on your devices or on your macbook they're just in the cloud you can view them and keep them there so there's a few workarounds uh and the other suggestion I had too was to invest in a little external hard drive. You get a one terabyte external hard drive a little for a laptop that's like under $100 now. Memory is cheap when it comes to hard drives. So that's as having it connected to your MacBook is as good as having the extra memory on the computer itself. So adding a hard drive is a hundred bucks, but specking up a 16 inch, eight terabyte MacBook, you're looking at $7,000 or four terabytes, $5,000. So I think there are ways to get the more memory that you need, but without having to spend a lot more money, if any money at all, if the storage management and all those other backups work out. You can buy 200 gig of iCloud storage for I think $4.49 a month. And that's, that's your iPhone and iPad backed up. So if I think you follow those steps, you may have some luck there. You may get back the memory you need, but what you need the memory for, you can do that in the cloud anyway. So just look. To have a have another look at it. I hope that can help you with your MacBook storage issues. That is the end of our show for this week. That went really quick. If you need to find out anything we've spoken about on the show, of course, you can head to our great website, techguide.com.au. And we love hearing from you as well. So please feel free to get in touch with us. Info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon and that will also generate an email that will come straight to me. We also want to thank our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Check out that Norton deal. You get it for half price just by using that link that we described with the Tech Guide in it. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So Until then, stay safe and stay connected.